Speaking of MedTech, a brand new podcast series from MedTech Insight on all things medical devices. I'm MedTech Insight Executive Editor Sean Schmidt, and for the duration of this series, I'll be joined by former U.S. FDA Device Center Compliance Chief Steve Silverman. Today, our topic is remote inspections of MedTech facilities in the era of COVID-19. But before we dig into that, Steve, uh, give listeners just a quick taste of your longtime experience in the medical device arena. Absolutely. Thanks very much, Sean. I spent uh, a little bit more than 12 years with FDA, including five plus years with the Center for Devices and Radiological Health, or CDRH, where I directed the Office of Compliance that included leading device quality initiatives, engaging Congress and the press, and guiding that office's reorganization. After I left FDA, I spent two years as a senior expert with McKinsey and Company, where I counseled a range of medical product companies on issues including drug and device regulation. And then after leaving McKinsey, roughly 2017, I joined Advamed, which is the Medical Device Trade Association. Now I am president of the Silverman Group, a consultancy that serves medical device companies on regulatory strategy and policy issues. Thanks for that, Steve. Obviously, that's a lot of experience that we'll be able to tap into during this podcast series. And obviously, a lot of people already know who you are. So let's dig into some questions on remote FDA inspections. Now, you recently wrote an opinion piece for MedTech Insight that basically says FDA should embrace remote inspections for device companies and kind of get a framework in place for doing those on the regular. So listeners should check that out at medtechinsight.com. But for this discussion, let's first touch on some of the basics with the first question being, how has COVID specifically affected on-site inspections? Well, not surprisingly, the biggest effect is just to limit FDA's ability to conduct inspections. Um, FDA's inspection model relies heavily and for devices pretty much exclusively on in-person inspections. And this requirement exists across inspection types. So whether we're talking about pre-approval, surveillance, or for-cause inspections, all of those rely on an in-person presence. But as you know, Sean, with the pandemic, the steps necessary for in-person inspections, like air travel, um, transportation to and from facility sites, hotel stays, all of that became virtually impossible. And obviously, the impact was different for domestic firms than for foreign ones. Yeah, definitely. Um, whatever problems existed for domestic inspections were orders of magnitude worse for foreign inspections. And that's because of the same challenges that apply to device inspections, like the need to travel to and from inspection sites. But also there are challenges that are unique to foreign inspections, like the need to get translators in place and the need to get visas for some jurisdictions. Those unique challenges made foreign inspections extraordinarily difficult and oftentimes impossible. What about the different offices and centers of the FDA? Were they affected equally? And I'm thinking specifically here of the Office of Regulatory Affairs, or ORA, which handles most of the agency's field activities, as well as the Center for Devices and Radiological Health, or CDRH. In thinking about the dynamics 
I think that ORA had it the worst. Um, inspections are a huge part of what ORA does, and that organization struggles even now to effectively inspect device firms. I mentioned a moment ago difficulties with foreign inspections, and those inspections have been always tougher to conduct than domestic ones, and they're still off the table except in extraordinary and very specific circumstances. So if ORA hasn't been gutted by COVID fallout, it's at least had a limb amputated. CDRH, by contrast, is different. For sure, CDRH relies on inspections and sometimes even participates in them. But that organization also has workarounds when inspections aren't possible. So, for example, device applications often require on-site facility inspections. But during COVID, CDRH had the authority to waive many of those inspections, meaning that it could complete submission reviews. Have different types of inspections been affected equally during the pandemic? That is, has FDA treated inspections related to pre-market, surveillance, and forecause all in the same way? Um, because looking at CDRH, I don't think that the inspection type matters. Whether you're talking about a pre-market or for a forecause inspection, the implications are the same, and that's that the inspection doesn't happen. The real question, I think, is what can CDRH do about missed inspections? And that's where the inspection type counts. For example, as I mentioned, CDRH may decide simply to waive a pre-approval inspection. That's a tougher call when the inspection is for a cause. In that case, CDRH has a specific concern about a facility and a decision like whether to take enforcement action may depend upon the inspection results. So in that case, the inspection can't just come off the table. And depending on whether the facility is located in the United States or outside the United States, the inspection may be impossible. And I'm not really sure how we can square that circle. Obviously, remote or virtual inspections has been an option for FDA as it tackles the limited inspection capability. But what is meant by remote inspections? Obviously, this is different than a desk-type audit where only documents are being reviewed by investigators. I think the inspections are different sometimes, and, and I'll explain what I mean. A big part of many device inspections really is document review. Show me your procedures for X quality system and the associated paperwork. That's a paper review that can occur at a device manufacturing facility, at an FDA investigator's office, or even at the investigator's dining room table. Now, some inspections definitely require actual on-site review. FDA needs to see the procedures followed and the production steps taken during the manufacturing process. So when we talk about remote inspections, let's first clarify if we're talking about a document review. And if more than document review is needed, what role can technology play? For example, some regulators outside the U.S. are evaluating facilities using remote video displays. And the question is whether FDA can do the same and under what circumstances. If there's a rule for remote images, what are the ancillary pieces that need to be in place? Things like advanced notice, how images are captured, whether images are saved, things like that. 
Okay, so bottom line, are remote inspections a good thing or a bad thing for device makers? Do these type of inspections offer any advantages over the traditional on-site ones? I think that the answer, Sean, depends on who you ask the question to. Every device company is going to give you a different answer, and I don't claim to own the market on good information. But all that said, I want to make a pitch for remote inspections, especially when we're talking about document-based inspections. I don't really see how it's worse to have an FDA investigator off-site electronically reviewing documents that he or she requests in real time. That process eliminates the need for manufacturers to house and monitor and serve the investigator. And it lets the investigator work more efficiently by getting rid of things like travel time and other disruptions. Even if visual images are transmitted, isn't that less intrusive than a live investigator walking around during the middle of manufacturing operations? Um, and look, Sean, you know, I could continue the comparisons, but I think that the underlying point remains, which is that even accounting for logistics and extra steps, the net benefits of remote inspections outweigh the burdens. Okay, but what about concerns or challenges for device firms around these remote inspections? You know, I, I'm thinking about industry has notoriously been averse to allowing investigators to take even still photographs during an inspection. But under remote inspections, they'd have video cameras in their facilities. Because of this, do you expect some pushback from industry? I think that there will definitely be questions and concerns by industry. And I think that industry will voice those concerns. I know that industry has its view of photos, for example, which is different from FDA's. The thing is, we don't need to solve that problem in order to conduct remote inspections. Displaying a video image is not the same as recording a video image. And if there was a credible objection to recording, it could be acted on without dealing with the or being stomied by the underlying question about whether simply displaying a video image can occur. Still, I would expect there to be some pushback in this space by device makers, uh, at least some of them. So what do you think FDA will do when something like that happens? That's a tough question, and it's a difficult one for me to answer because obviously I don't know what FDA's internal decision-making processes are. FDA has consistently stated that it has the right to take photos during inspections, and I doubt that remote inspections would affect that position. But what about resources? We all know that FDA has notoriously had trouble with having what it needs to get the job done in the first place. Do you think the agency will be able to pull off remote inspections with the resources it has now, or will it need some new, more specific ones? Sean, candidly, I think that FDA would use remote device inspections to get more resources, but I can't say that remote inspections would put a dollar and cents burden on FDA. So on the one hand, there's no question that remote inspections will create costs. Some of those costs will be simple hardware and technology needed for remote communication, 
Wi-Fi capability and video conferencing, for example. And there's going to be other costs to build an administrative framework within FDA to cover things like staff training, new procedures, and IT troubleshooting. All of those things cost money. But if remote inspections work, FDA saves money that helps cover those costs. All of a sudden, FDA is spending less on travel because more inspections are occurring without investigators leaving their desk. These same investigators are spending less on hotels and rental cars, and if the investigators can work more efficiently because they're not burning time on delayed flights and misconnections, that's also a benefit. Now, are these savings going to offset the new costs like administrative costs associated with remote inspections? I honestly don't have any idea. But what I've seen in the past is that FDA usually endorses new programs when there is dedicated funding to cover them. So I would characterize remote inspections as an additive, not as a balancing exercise. And while there's a precedent for conducting remote inspections of drug manufacturers, it's not the same on the device side, right? Yes, that's right. There's no statutory authority for remote device inspections. But even for those FDA centers with this authority, there's a challenge that's worth flagging. I've heard that under the remote inspection umbrella, FDA too often has requested documents to be reviewed remotely and then follows these remote reviews with live inspections. So that actually increases a company's burden, first by satisfying the document request and then later by hosting live inspections. Under that scenario, I'd advise those same companies just to follow FDA's standard inspection approach. To make remote device inspections successful and effective, the expectation and practice needs to be one and done. That is, one inspection, whether it's remote or a standard inspection, and that's it. A remote inspection is not a prequel to a live inspection at a later date, and if it's viewed as the first step, that will lead to a live inspection, there's really no business efficiency that justifies companies participating. And now there's the new Remote Regulatory Assessment, or RRA, and that's a voluntary program that FDA launched earlier this year to look at electronic documents to determine a device maker's compliance. From what I've been told by FDA, these aren't considered by the agency to be remote inspections, but maybe you could explain the difference between a remote inspection and an RRA. First and foremost, as you mentioned, the RRA is voluntary, and that means that a firm can just say, no, thank you. We choose not to participate. That's not the case, no surprise, for FDA inspections. In fact, Firms can be sanctioned if they prevent inspections from happening. As important, FDA, as you said, has been explicit that RRAs are not inspections. For sure, FDA could consider information obtained from an RRA in deciding whether to inspect a facility, but the RRA does not take the place of an inspection. Okay, so a few months ago, MedTech Insights spoke with a consultant who's device client went through a rather nightmarish RRA. Um, In short, the communication between the FDA investigator and the company was unclear, and the consultant told me that the investigator sprung the RRA on the firm and flouted some FDA procedures around the remote assessment. And 
this consultant is now advising her clients to avoid having an RRA performed by the agency. So I guess my question is, do you agree that firms should sit out an RRA? Or do you think what happened with that particular device firm was maybe the exception and not the rule, and that companies have little to fear from these relatively new RRAs? I do think the story that you shared, Sean, is a one-off. FDA has established clear lines for what an RRA is and what it is not. And investigators who blow past those lines are just wrong. But the story raises an important point. Too often, firms know that investigators or other FDA staffers are out of line. And those same firms are reluctant to raise these issues for fear of FDA retribution. And I'm saying FDA retribution using air quotes. I'm here to tell you that I've never seen a firm put in the penalty box because they called out FDA staff misconduct. To the contrary, senior agency staff value notice of problems because they may not have visibility to the underlying situations. And there's no reason to make those discussions antagonistic towards frontline staff. To the contrary, I think that there's a real opportunity here to involve frontline staff, senior managers, and companies in a collaborative discussion about what the best approach is to problem solving. Okay, so let's briefly talk about the Medical Device Single Audit Program, or MDSAP, and how it plays into all of this. That program has been using remote audits for quite some time now, right? And what does that mean for device companies that are subject to FDA oversight? Yeah, it's a really interesting situation that raises really interesting questions, Sean. As you said, MDSAP audits include remote audits, and the program has been using remote audits for some time. So that means for MDSAP participant companies that they're already hosting MDSAP remote audits. What's weird is that FDA is an MDSEP participant and a very, very strong proponent. So there are FDA regulators that are conducting today remote MDSAP audits for device firms under the auspices of the MDSAP. But they can't do the same for FDA device inspections because FDA doesn't have remote device inspection authority or a remote device inspection program. So does FDA have the authority today to conduct these remote assessments, or does it need congressional authorization? That's an open question. And why do you say that? I think that depending on who you ask, you'll hear that FDA needs specifically granted authority to conduct remote device inspections. At the same time, there are others who will say that FDA already has this authority without any specific regulatory grant. That's a legal question, and both perspectives are well supported. I'm agnostic on this issue. If FDA specifically needs this authority, then it should seek it and tailor remote inspections to make sense for FDA and for industry. So where is FDA on this topic? Does the agency want to conduct remote device inspections, or do they really want to be there on site? No question. There's going to be times when FDA must be present on site. 
So even if we have a viable remote inspection model, it's not going to apply in all cases. At the same time, I think that FDA knows that remote device inspections are the future, at least in part. First, other regulators are already conducting remote inspections, including inspections like the medical device single audit program. Second, other parts of FDA, like the Center for Drugs, conduct remote inspections, and there's no logical reason not to extend this to device sites. So even if FDA were to generally oppose remote device inspections, I doubt that this position could get traction. So what, in your view, could prevent or slow FDA adoption of remote device inspections? First, I'm not saying that there will be slow adoption by FDA of remote device inspections. That noted, slowdown could occur because of a few factors. First, there's just the basic administrative challenge of incorporating a new inspection model, and that means paperwork, staff training, reallocation of resources, and similar factors, all of which take time. Second, external stakeholders could throw up roadblocks. Industry or patient groups could decide, for example, that they don't like remote inspections and object to their adoption. That likely would trigger some type of formal agency review, which is, again, time-consuming. Another possibility is congressional action. Even if FDA doesn't need new authority for remote inspections, there could be members of Congress or the Senate who oppose a remote inspection model, although I really couldn't say why. But if there's a spate of letters from members of Congress raising concerns, you can bet that progress towards remote inspections is going to grind to a halt until those concerns are resolved. Given all of this, do you think device makers should be concerned about remote inspections? Is there really a problem here? No. This is progress, not a revolution to overturn FDA practices. As I've said before, it's hard to imagine how remote device inspections don't save money and increase efficiency for FDA and for industry. Plus, remote inspections are happening today. FDA does them for other commodities, and remote device inspections occur all over the world. So all we're talking about is aligning FDA with current practice and leveraging technology. Well, if FDA needs to perform these remote inspections, I assume it will eventually come up with a way to get them, even if industry isn't particularly happy with that. Am I on the right track here? Yes, you're right. But the bigger picture, I think, is that industry shouldn't oppose remote inspections. The better strategy is to lean in. So help figure out where remote inspections work and where they don't. Industry can also help figure out the necessary resources and questions to be answered so that remote inspections are successful. FDA doesn't have a monopoly on good information here. Industry and other stakeholders offer key perspectives, and they should be at the table with FDA developing integrated solutions. In my view, that's the recipe for the best outcome. Well, given that the pandemic doesn't appear to be waning anytime soon, I'm sure remote inspections will be a topic of discussion for the near future. Thanks for the chat today, Steve. It was my pleasure, and thanks to you for the chance to participate. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us on our inaugural Speaking of MedTech podcast. In coming weeks, Steve and I will be talking about a lot of different topics 
including FDA's Breakthrough Devices Program, the ongoing user fee negotiations between the agency and industry, also known as MEDUFA-5, and the upcoming harmonization of the FDA's quality system regulation with quality system standard ISO 13485, just to name a few. In the meantime, you can check out our full suite of podcasts and much more online at medtechinsight.com. And always remember, you can find us on Twitter at medtech underscore insight. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>